0: Hi, Max Clark. This is Twenty Minutes Max. I'm gonna do a little rant about something that's near and dear to my heart which we now call desktop as a service i have no idea who came up with this name and i really hate it and despise it but you know uh when you know 1997 we called it uh, terminal services and then after that we called it virtual desktop and and now it's called DAS. and funny thing about this is how cyclic things in technology actually are right so in the birth of computing we had what you now would think of as a mainframe but there, there was a or and it was really funny because they actually called them mini computers but they weren't so mini; they were quite large but so you know you University, um, large company would would have this really large centralized computer, and then there were terminals connected to it. You know, so what you saw on the terminal was just a screen. It was just the input and the output device, right? A keyboard connected and a screen, and the ability to send. You know, but it was really just this computer off in the basement somewhere, and you were interacting with that, and uh, and and that's what you had. And there was job scheduling and time slicing and all these different things. We could talk about the birth of the internet as a relation to this in a moment, but the birth of personal computing. Really did a few things it, it drove down the cost and the affordability of computers And it made it accessible for people to have them in their houses whenever you get into a situation where Volume applies against a commodity with more volume the commodity the price of the commodity drives down So what happens The personal computer gets faster and faster and faster and faster and costs less and less and less and less per unit of computing? Meanwhile these other things these mainframes um, are still very expensive and you know like these giant black boxes that sit in the basement that, that you know are, are nightmares, and we have this massive push and shift away from centralized computing into you know edge, edge. Oh ho, we got the edge in there. Edge computing. We got um you know with, with personal computers and, and devices. You know we we saw this of course in the '90s, the birth of the internet, and then you know really through the 2000s, and you know we keep we keep pushing forward. So, anyways, okay, let's go. We're trying to bring us all back together, Max. So, terminal services and VDI and now DAS are pushed back into uh, this this full circle. It's closing the loop. So now you've got a centralized resource. You've got you know usually a cluster of machines. Cluster is another one of my favorite terms. But you've got a series of computers running usually in a data center, and and the desktop, the 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 processing, the storage, um, everything that's happening is happening on those machines in that central location, and then a remote terminal is connecting to it. Now, first question I get when, when we talk about this stuff usually is, people say, well, what does it look like? Well, it looks exactly like what you're experiencing right now. Instead of having a box with a processor and a graphics card and a hard drive underneath your desk or on top of your desk or, you know, built into your monitor, all you really see is just the monitor and the keyboard and, and the mouse or the trackpad, right? There's a network cable that plugs into it. It's, it's still Windows, okay? like, you know, secret ingredient of the secret ingredient soup is there is no secret ingredient. It is still Windows. And you can connect to these things with dedicated terminals. You can connect to it with fancy terminals for specialized networking, like PCOIP and Teradici and like yada, yada, yada. Or you can just use remote desktop and you can remote desktop into one of these platforms. You know, so you have some sort of client access device and then you have your actual computing device, let's just call it that way, right? Where the actual desktop lives and where the data lives and the processing lives. Okay. So why do you care? Why do we care about DAS? Uh, And this is where tech marketing and we just go completely sideways in the tech space, right? Because we start talking about speeds and feeds and features and benefits and we miss the jobs to be done. So why do we care about this stuff? Well, the first thing is it is ridiculously easy to onboard and offboard staff when you have centralized computing like this. You are not going out and touching a machine in a desktop, in a cubicle, and configuring it. Or, you know, what, what normally would happen in a help desk is, you know, they would have, and they, they'd bring the computer back to their help desk, and they would do the work, and they would install windows on it install the software and then take it out to the computer by the way mdm and uem is a is a solution in absence of a daz platform because in the daz platform you say hey we want to update our software what do you do you have a centralized thing that you have to update and it, it automatically updates everything else um there is no um like oh whoops i kicked over my computer tower and blew it up right like that doesn't happen so okay very easy to onboard and offboard when you have uh you know an office environment and people don't have to like walk up and down the stairs and go talk to your help desk. Your help desk can all be in one location. Your IT team can be in one spot and it's really easy. Okay. Now when you go from work from home, you go to remote workforce. Now think about that from an onboarding and offboarding. What are you doing? Well, you are usually buying a laptop and shipping a laptop to somebody. And hopefully you're buying a laptop and then having it configured and shipped. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're buying a laptop and shipping it to somebody and then creating a phone call with some sort of, you know, team viewer session to go through and do the rest of the configuration, which is completely nuts. Or, you know, you're doing an MDM enrollment. You're using Intune or, you know, some variant air watch or something to actually do that deployment the okay so in theory that works fine okay i'm like let's you, you've got a mac fleet right so you've got jamf preloaded with apple business and Mrs. manager and a laptop unplugs and or they open it up and boom they go through the enrollment they, they so now you've got really expensive devices that you're shipping all over the place and you've got them in the field and they're, they're breakable you know if so think about it from an economic standpoint. You know, three thousand dollar laptops being like FedExed all over the place. And then you've got to now offboard and, and reclaim all that equipment. What usually happens when offboarding is people don't reclaim the equipment. Maybe they issue a remote delete command and they say, Okay, you know, um you can keep the gear. So if we think about this, um, you know, in the last few months when companies have gone through massive layoffs you're now writing down the value of the IT asset that's in the field because it's too complicated to try to even think about getting that gear back. It comes across as a really nice piece of like corporate goodwill and separation of like, oh, you can keep the device. Um, but in reality, for the majority of those companies, they made the decision that it was not worth the energy for them to get the device back versus just writing it off and letting the employee keep it at separation. Yeah, I'm, I get a little cynical with these things because I've seen the sausage be made, so to speak. So that works great when you're in, you know, like if you're a U.S. company and you're dealing with um, U.S. employees. Now, let's talk about onboarding and offboarding somebody in Latin America. You know, you, you have a team in Mexico or Colombia, Argentina, Chile, Brazil. You can't just ship them gear, first off. If you haven't done this yet, just trust me when I say this. Or don't trust me. Go ahead and do it and experience this for the first time for yourself and, and then, you know, you'll you'll remember this, but you have this really pesky thing called customs that you have to deal with. So you're going to ship equipment to a country that has to clear customs first. And depending on when your gear gets to that port of entry and what else is on that port of entry and what the value of that equipment on that port of entry is, um, you go from like, maybe this only takes two weeks to get gear to somebody to like four or five, six weeks to get gear to somebody. Plus you have to pay import duty taxes on it. This is why you want to buy equipment in country always. Um, versus shipping gear to them, so so we talk about it from like um you know what what's why is this relevant in the world of DAS? Well, in DAS, you know you can have a BYOB policy, BYOD BYOD policy. It's not Friday, why am I thinking of B-O-Y-O-B? BYOD policy? Hey, you've already got a computer at your house. Great, you can just use that computer, install this software to connect to our DAS platform. Look at this, you know, you can use whatever you've got. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if it's slow, it doesn't matter if it's fast, it doesn't matter if it's new, or if it doesn't matter if it's old, you can just launch this application or you can you know use this browser plugin and you can connect and you can get our desktop and you can get access to our environment and to our data. And it's instantaneously, we've accepted your offer, you know, your congratulations, you're, you're coming on board. It's instant provisioning. You don't have to wait weeks to get somebody on and working and efficient. You can have them up and running like immediately this just, just just like finger snap kind of fast um, what else is great about DAS? well in that example where the data l- lives so this becomes a really interesting example when you're going through any sort of compliancy. If you're gonna go through a SOC or PIP, uh, HIPAA or PCI if you're bringing on international employees or contractors if you have US employees or contractors you talk about where does the data actually live if you've been around the block at some point you've heard a horrible story about somebody who had a laptop in their car and the laptop in their car had data on it it shouldn't have because they were doing something they downloaded all this data to excel and then the car got stolen and then there's an the excel file on the desktop that has everybody's social security number and um salary information and home address and uh birthday whoops seriously this happens all the time right there is you're doing software development you're a software tech company you're an internet company and you have now you have you start talking about your application stack your intellectual property the you know crown jewels now does that sit on devices that you control or can that be downloaded and copied into devices that you can't control and a few lawsuits about this recently involving self-driving cars and executives leaving one company and going to another company and stuff being downloaded or not. If you just remove the ability for it to be downloaded, like you don't even have this conversation. It's not even like you need a policy around it in your corporate handbook of like don't download our data. Just don't make it possible to download the data in the first place. It's incredible the difference that you have. So that's a really good example. When you start talking about supply chain issues, uh, you get a question from a upstream or downstream vendor or client, um, you know, how do you ensure that our data or your data is only on companies? owned If you're dealing with laptops, you deal with it by deploying, you know, an MDM or UEM solution, and then uh, self-signed certificates, and then you're going to use some sort of DLP and CASB you know, overlay on top of that, and maybe a ZTNA client in order to, you know, authenticate the user, and you've got some sort of strong authentication and MFA, and all these different things. And so now we're just talking about layering. We've just layered on like stack, 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 stack of different pieces of software in order to ensure this stuff. Or you just don't do any of it, and you just say, hey, okay, great. You know, our data only exists on our platform in our data center, or in this case. Our vendors' infrastructure, they're the platform that we're, we're uh, our private our private cloud for this. There's no way for it to download because there's nowhere to download it too. They can't download this stuff, so we like we like that. And you could talk about it from a ransomware security environment. You know, big issue and a big problem with ransomware is. You know if you've got you know let's just do the math here right let's just say you have a thousand you know you have a thousand devices we'll just use a thousand it's a nice round number you have a thousand devices maybe you're lucky and they're all in one office maybe you're not lucky and you know twenty percent are in office and eighty percent are outside of an office and you have a ransomware attack and all of your devices are encrypted well now you've got to what do you do well you know you've got to you know maybe best case scenario you're just reinstalling an operating system on all those devices and formatting the hard drive well it takes time it takes time per device you know, let's say you're exceedingly efficient at this and it only takes 30 minutes per device times a thousand devices, right? So you've got 500 hours worth of work that you have to do in order to get your your your, your operations back in a point where people can actually work on a computer. Um, so DAS doesn't prevent ransomware. It accelerates recovery from it because you have this concept of a golden image, right? So there's this, this thing where it's like, um, you know, for our fill-in-the-blank team, they've got this this is the the environment that they need you know they need this software so you create this golden image and this golden image is all the software that they need in order to run so when you have a new person come into the team you just say basically copy copy this this golden image onto their into their desktop well now in the process to recover a thousand desktops is deleting and just recreating a thousand desktops and there's i mean look there's there's nuances and it's a lot more involved in that but as a very simplistic example i'll just make that case and i'm sure i'll get a few comments go ahead and flame me i don't care actually I do care, but go ahead and flame me and tell me how wrong I am and then we'll get into the nuances of this stuff if you really care about it. There's a lot of ways to implement DAS. Uh, you're going to see this a lot more now. There were some companies that, that started doing this with Macs. Mac Stadium was a good one. Um, you know, people are so accustomed to developing on Mac desktops that it became like, hey, look, we can do a virtualized Mac. It's not even virtualized. It was a Mac Minis in a data center in Atlanta, I believe. Um, Azure is now, uh, AWS offers virtualized Windows desktops. Azure has um, Azure Virtual, Virtual desktop, AVD. There's a lot of vendors that implement X, um, Citrix and VMware on top of Azure. There is automation orchestration platforms for this stuff. Um, I'm going to let you in on the, on the secret, which is yes, you can use, you know, a you know, um, Azure Virtual Desktop to do this stuff, but it's not easy to run yourself. It'd be the equivalent of like, you know, deciding that you were gonna install Exchange back in your office and run Exchange on-prem for your users versus being on 365 or being on Google Workspace. Like you could do it, but you're gonna have to hire a lot of experts in order to do it. And then you'd be kind of crazy to do it because you're spending a lot of money in order to do it versus spending that money and those resources doing other things and um, becoming experts in maintaining the Daz platform is probably not where you want to be for your business like that's probably it provides zero incremental value to your operations or zero incremental leverage to you so you want to run daz don't run it yourself like again it's a scale thing right like other people can go invest in data centers and they can invest in software licensing and they can invest in support staff and teams and experts and engineers and firewall people and all the different stuff right and um you can pay them for that investment and they staff it 24 7 and they maintain it 24 7 you know you don't have to think about or deal with all any of that stuff and then of course you got a contract and They have an SLA that they have to adhere to. So we like these things. By the way, if you're saying, well, how does this apply to me? We run Macs today and we need to have access to all these development tools. Um, Windows did this really crazy thing not too long ago and it's called uh, Windows Subsystem Linux, um, WSL. And the dirty secret is, is you can run a Windows desktop with WSL on it and get a Debian instance on it or whatever other instance you want. And you can code, whatever code you You wanna code. You can code, you can code, you can code. You get access to the same tooling. And if you're building anything that's going containerized, pipeline is actually really efficient this is not you know there's there you know if you're coming from mac to windows there is some learning curve but i I promise you your developers are probably already running vs code because you want to run github copilot on it and guess what vs code is written by microsoft and it runs just fine on windows and if you're running python or go or node.js or you know ruby or any of these other languages and you're creating containers um, that works just fine with wsl and you can you can take advantage of it so anyways um what is daz daz is your desktop in the cloud I and mean, that's that's just we'll just use i hate the cloud term but it, it's it's your desktop running in the cloud and if you're onboarding and offboarding if you need to rapidly turn up a team somewhere you know you want to you want to hire 200 developers in colombia you want to hire 200 developers in argentina you want to bring on a customer service team in the philippines And you want to do it quickly, and you want to do it securely, and you want to have control over it, and you want to manage it, and you want to have control over your data, and you do not want to be shipping expensive boxes all over the place, and you don't have to worry about getting expensive boxes back or those expensive boxes breaking. DAS is wonderful. It solves all of those problems for you, and it does it in a very efficient manner. So, DAS is great. We like DAS. Or VDI, or Terminal Services, or avd or whatever the heck you want to call it today i don't even care anymore the virtualized desktop is a it's not a it's not a what's the, what's the expression it's not a hammer looking for a nail like it is a solution to a lot of problems and uh you should be looking at it because it's awesome anyways i'm max 20 minutes max hopes this helped you hope this helps you <laughs>